And I'm a big believer. I always tell people this is you need a gateway drug to you. <laughs> like you need your own version. Uh, you need a gateway drug in your business, meaning you have something that people have easy access to that has them go, holy crap, I love this person. Um, yeah. Everything you say is brilliant. <laughs> it's only because I'm in your presence, Annie. This is so torturous for me. <laughs> interview your competitors i take back everything i've ever said no i don't this is this is way too much fun i'm just having way too much fun Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is my sister in ethical selling, and some would say competitor, but we'll get to that, Sarah Walton. Sarah Walton is a success coach and business mentor who's been featured on the Today Show, speaks at women's conferences all over the world, and has helped hundreds of women start and grow businesses they love. Originally from Salt Lake City, Sarah spent her 15-year corporate career in New York City, navigating the male-dominated world of tech, managing a P&L worth hundreds of millions of dollars, working closely with Marianne Williamson, mentoring dozens of women, and balancing motherhood at the same time. She's the voice of the Game On Girlfriend podcast. She's known for her live Coffee with Coach streaming video conversations and weekly Sarah Uncut videos. She offers comprehensive online courses, including the Game on Girlfriend Project and the Sales Mastermind. She also runs her exclusive Abundance Academy for women in business. Sarah has become the go-to source of inspiration, no-nonsense teaching, and practical integration for women in business. She's created a successful business and now speaks across the nation, offering her courses and workshops, which are designed to put more money in the hands of more women. Sarah Walton, my twin sister in business, the other half that I didn't know I was missing. It is such <laughs> a delight to have you on the show today for what is surely going to be a goofy but jam-packed eye-opening episode. What the heck do small business owners need to focus on this week? They need to sell something every day. Thank you. That's what they need to focus on every single day. You own a business. Every single day you have to sell something. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. The yep. End. All of it. Everett, there you go. This is the only episode that we will be putting out this year, and it concludes now. This has been too legitimate to quit. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Right? Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, okay, of course, two people that teach sales to sales avoidant people are going to tell you that you have to sell something every day. Like, of course. And yet, and yet, it's one of those things that we're like, oh, I need to drink water every day, but how easy is it to get dehydrated, right? We so. know we need water every day, but it mm. isn't until you get super, super dehydrated that you're like, oh, shit, this, yeah. this is why I need to drink water every day. Okay, 
Like we know intrinsically, we know we get it, but it isn't until we go into a severe pipeline drought and have no freaking money and not only mm. no money, but no mm. money on the horizon that we're mm. like, oh, was this why I was supposed to drink water? Yes. Sell something every single freaking day. Yeah. And I want to be clear about that. That doesn't mean every single day you have to close a sale. Well, right. That'd be great. Right? Yeah. I'm also saying every single day, let people know they can work with you. Let Thank people you. know you're hireable. Talk yes. about your program. Talk about your offer. Be like, oh, the other day when I was talking to a client. Make it clear to people you run a business. And I think when someone is sale avoidant, it can feel really easy to not do that. Yes. It's like, no, no, I'm too nice. I don't have a business. It's like, no, dude, you totally oh, do. Sweetheart. But they you don't know do. that. And, right? Yeah. But like, and let's see those buy buttons. Or to your point, the way that we're looking at this is a sale in this mm. aspect can just be one CTA deepening someone's relationship with you, advancing them through your funnel, right? So like get yeah. off of this Instagram post and go take this action on my website is a sale. Yes. It may not close. It may not convert into immediate revenue, but you are closer to money with that person than you were yesterday. Therefore, you successfully sold today. Love it. That is it. Thank you, Annie. Mic drop, please. Because that I is, mean, you started it. Truth. Yeah. It's our mic drop. Yep. <laughs> Together now. Yeah, right? no, but it is. It's It's really important for people to understand that because I think you know, it's almost like a perfectionist thing. It's like, yeah. oh, but if I don't sell today, if there's not money in my account today, I failed. It's like, no, 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 no. That is not accurate. You have planted seeds all over the place and you've moved people closer to you. That matters. It puts less pressure on launch methodology, right? And I'm yes. not knocking live launch as a method. I know people that kill with live launch and I know people that have almost been killed by their live launch. There's a gajillion of each, right? But yes. if you're not selling every day, if you're not advancing the ball every day, you're putting way too much pressure on the small pocket of time known as a launch because you haven't been, as friend of the show, Pam Slim would say, planting seeds, right? Yes. Like when you go to plow the field, ain't nothing there. Yep, And yet suddenly you expect it to grow and flourish and be farmable within the period of a, you know, 10 day launch. That's just not realistic enough. So I love that mandate. Sell every day. Make sure your systems, processes, routines and behaviors are advancing you every single day. I love that. Yes, please. That's all. That's it. That's what everyone can go run around and focus on this week. Enjoy it too. Have some fun. Yes. Fun, man. It's all good. Okay. So let's talk about that because for the people that have hired us and the people that need to hire us yet, um, sell and fun has never been a relatable thing. Like I wrote the, the first, like the foreword into my book, The Coach Who Would Not Sell, is my childhood trauma of having to sell wrapping paper and candy bars door to door as a kid. Like I never, ever thought that I would equate selling with fun. And now I think selling is fun as hell. 
know. I mean, I teach it. I love it. I I do it all day. And I help other people realize how fun it can be. But like, when did you realize that selling could be a pleasurable experience? Were you one of those weird kids that was always good at this? Or what happened here? Yeah, I was one of those weird kids. I remember. I know. I really was. No, I was always. Oh, you jerk. You're the one who won the pizza party and the hula hoop all the time. You bitch. Yes. I know. It's rude, right? I know. No, I uh, I was baking the cookies. I had the lemonade stand. In the 80s, I made scrunchies and sold them. And I took custom orders. Thank you There's a much. side hustle for you. Scrunchies are back. Oh, I got yeah. one Do on you, my wrist right now. You see? You see? <laughs> it's the product that lasts, people. No, but it was um, it was so much fun. No, I was I did people's nails like before prom. You know, we didn't have nail salons the way we do now. No, you hustled. Was. You found a need and filled it. I did. I did. And I loved it. I would laugh and giggle the whole time. And then I paid for my own prom dress. Like, stop See, it. I've always been the ops person. Yeah. I've always been the, like, second, which is really fun. Like, I've always been the strategist behind, like, my parents' house. What a weird tangent. But my parents' house has this, like, weird cupboard under the stairs, like a Harry Potter room mm, that, yeah. you know, a decade at least before Harry Potter, me and Katie L. Huffer, who is now a, like, absolutely incredible, successful cosplay and ready-to-wear designer of, like, great nerd renown and still my dear friend. We used to make jewelry in that little cabinet together, and she, but she was the visionary, and then I would be like, okay, maybe we should get cute envelopes, and then I would put it back on Katie <laughs> and be like, okay, now you go to the door. Like, Katie would make the thing, I would market the thing and then Katie mm-hmm. would sell the thing. Cause even then, even as a kid, I'm like, I ain't selling shit. No, that is so interesting. Yeah. No, I, you know, I think it, I've, look, boy, there's so much I want to say there. Sorry, my brain exploded, but it's like, <laughs> I have so much compassion for that. Right. Because how many, I mean, it just happened to me the other day and it was somebody like promoting the Clean Water Act in my state. Right. And I was like, get, the hell off my porch, right? Mm-hmm. And they were doing something I care about and that I think is really important, but they interrupted my day. Yeah. And I know how that feels for them. I know how it feels for me. Like even as kids, the the cookies, right? The holiday plants, like all the things we all had to quote unquote sell yeah. to get out there. I have a lot of empathy for that. Yeah. I just from a young age refused to play in it. And I think, by the way, one, I mean, one of the things I really teach when I work with clients is this idea that we have a, a skill, a natural talent, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, we have the natural talent, then we have the skill set that comes on top of that. And right. we flourish when the natural talent and the skill have an overlap. Right. So for me, the natural talent is I read people really, really well. So like I could watch somebody be annoyed at recess that their hair wasn't up. And I'd be like, dude, I can make you a scrunchie tomorrow. And they'd be like, oh my God, that'd be amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's only a dollar. Do you want pink, yellow, orange, or like... Rainbow. They're like, oh my God, can I have the rainbow one? I'm like, awesome. I'll see can I have all of them? How do I yeah. pick? And it was, they loved Freaking me. Childhood I loved playground mogul. Look at I'm you. I'm telling you. But it was, it came from my talent of being able to read people. And then the skill set of actually having an operational system behind that as an entrepreneur, that came obviously much, much later. But I was lucky, right? Some Thank God say, you were raised right. This could have been the beginning of an episode of American Greed. <laughs> 
That's funny you say that. She no, started as I was a five-year-old raised... making scrunchies and selling them on the play lot. And now she's and now running a giant bunko scheme. Like, what? And now she's got 18 cars and three houses. <laughs> no, um, it's so gross. No, but I actually, I think one of the reasons I was so scrappy with it, but I loved it so much, is when I loved helping people. Don't we yeah. all, right? Isn't yeah. that everyone's like, I just want to help people, right? I, got, I totally get that. That is absolutely valid. Um, but we were like really really, really poor. Yeah. Like not funny poor. Like I'm talking, there were times we had a half a loaf of bread and a jar of honey in the cupboard and my mom had made the bread from scratch, right? Like guys, I had, if there's something I wanted, I had had to go get it. it. You had to create opportunity for yourself and get after it. That's one of the reasons why to this day I, I value my work with the formerly incarcerated is because they have to make their own opportunity. The system is designed against them. Just yes. like as a child in poverty, the system was designed against you. You had to go out and create your own opportunity if you were going to get what you wanted, whether that was a new backpack or to go to college or any of it. Yep. Or my prom dress, which was a big, that was a thing. That was well, a real thing. Um, so I did people's nails. And they were happy and I was happy. We had great conversations and it never hit for me. It never hit as salesy. It never hit as slimy. It Mm -hmm. hit as helping. Um, They were helping me. Mm -hmm. I was helping them, right? There was an exchange of actual value. Like they were so excited to get their nails done because where we were, that wasn't something that happened. Right. Um, And And you also sold to your friends. Yeah. Right. And and people became your friends through selling, I'm assuming, because this is the nature of how this works. Right. But one of the main things I see with people like our clients is because they have such deep, tender, loving care for these people, they feel lecherous or um, like they're bastardizing or cheapening the relationship by bringing money into it. And that's very five-figure thinking, right? Like, it's not that we don't want to just go out and charge everybody, right? But, like, your friends in high school didn't think less of you because they paid you to get their nails done. No, they were excited. They were excited because, and it deepened, you said, you said, you had some great conversations. It deepened Mm -hmm. your relationship, and then they paid you, and then you both got to go to prom as friends, it didn't change the nature of the relationship. If anything, it deepened it. And I don't see enough people selling heart-centered service like that, like doing someone's nails before the prom. I don't see them enough being able to say, I'm helping this person I care about and I'm receiving financially, like financial aid from them at the same time. Like I, why do you think those two things get so separated in our minds. Oh boy, this is, I'm about to like lay down some conspiracy theories. It's going to sound like, I actually think this is factual and I think it's, it's really true. So there are many systems, as you were talking about the incarcerated, we're talking about those who are in poverty, right? There are many systems in place to actively keep money out of the hands of women. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that is done is we are told (laughs) that we should just help people, right? And not in a bad way. Like there's a lot of good there, right? But women do unproportionately, like, oh my God, overwhelmingly women are doing what I call the invisible work that makes the world work. Right. And if you're like, maybe your brain just exploded too. You're like, wait a second. I'm like, yeah, we're talking about everything you have done today. Just today. I want you to think about everything you've done to make other people's lives better. 
yep. your children, your your spouse, your family, your extended family, your community, right? And it's this thing that happens. You know, I have kids, right? Well, I go to like volunteer at school lunch sometimes, and every once in a while there'll be a dad. And it's like the freaking second coming. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, he's so great. Can you believe he's here? Oh my God. And I'm like, dude, we've all been here for months. What are you doing? Right. And that's because men aren't supposed to do the invisible work that makes the world work, right? We are. And so it's instilled in us from a very young age to take care of everyone else and ignore what we need, right? And we need to make money, right? And there's actually, this has been like, there's a term now that's been coined by a woman named Terry Cole. She wrote a great book called Boundary Boss. And the term Ooh. is high functioning codependence. Yeah, she's that, fantastic. She's wonderful. I mean, she wouldn't you describe phrase, before you figure out how to be a coach in a successful, boundaried, ethical way, or a consultant in a boundaried, ethical way? That that codependence is exactly what that relationship is. Like, yeah. I need this client to survive, and this client won't grow without me, or at least that's what I have to tell them. So, oh god, right. So now yeah, we're going to clutch onto each other for dear life and muddle through. It's like, no, yeah, guys. it's horrible. It's horrible, but it's in every way, right? And it it is this idea. Oh, you're so selfless. Mm-hmm. If I hear anybody, if I hear a woman say that to another woman, I will stop the conversation. I've become that lady where I will stop the conversation and go, I just want you to pay attention. That's, I know you were paying her a compliment. She's probably extraordinary. But we as women have to stop rewarding each other for losing ourselves. You oh, I yell at them. I'm like, there's selfless. a book you need to read. It's called Selfish by Nikita Wright Thinkpen. It's amazing. It. You need to read it. It's all about self-prioritization. You need to read it right now. It's available mm-hmm. on Kindle. Kindle. Kindle and audiobook. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's critical. And that is why. But that's why there's the disconnect, Annie. That's the answer yeah. to your question is we are actively trained not to value our work, that makes not total to sense. value our contribution. So here mm-hmm. we are now saying, oh, but go charge for what you're, and people are like, what? But I've been told my whole life, and it starts with phrases like, oh, don't cry. Where's my pretty girl? It starts with that kind of stuff where it's like, your emotions, your needs are bothering me. Could you please stop having them? And so here we are as adults needing to be paid for what we do. And all that lifelong training hits of like, no, 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 you can't ask for what you need because it'll make other people uncomfortable. And so we stop. And I really think there's a lot of deep heart-centered forgiveness work, mostly internally, that needs to happen in order for that to get healed so we can move forward. Um, And I call it self-betrayal work, right? Because every time you know better and you betray yourself. Yeah. 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 I'll do it for free. Oh, I'll do it for 50% off. That's self-betrayal. That's what that's self-betrayal that I've, I've taught. This is one of the things that I adore about you. Like I have taught that moment for years, how to handle that moment, how to identify that moment. I have never had such a clear, straight to the quick of it way to explain that before. It is self-betrayal. Mm. It absolutely is. Yeah. And it absolutely we have is. to heal. Like we got to clean that up with us. Yeah. I mean, that's unlike you, like I've already alluded to, I would make my grandparents buy all my cookies I would make Katie do the visioning and the implementation herself. I would just strategize in between. I, you know, if I could pawn off work to somebody else, I totally would. And I would walk around, literally, I would walk around garage sales and take back all the stuff of mine that my mom had put out to sell. Like, didn't matter. I was like, nope. Wow. 
Or I would like go borrow money from the neighbors and then go buy all my stuff back. Like sales avoidant to the extreme. (laughs) But what I didn't realize, I had a little bit of a sense that what I was trying to do is be noble or moral or ethical or a good Christian or whatever it was at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I never, ever realized until it was much, 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 much too late in my business, which I'm grateful for because it brought me here to this point. But I never would have been able to identify so clear cut that the things that I was doing to myself was beyond abuse. It was Mm -hmm. Mm self-betrayal. Yeah. 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 And it's brutal. I mean, like we're joking around, we're talking about says we're doing that stuff, but the real work that needs to get done, and this is why I only work with women, or I love men. It's not that. It's that we have a different set of healing that needs to take place in order for us to be financially successful. Um, and yeah. and for most, you'll notice it's like, oh, I don't have any problem getting paid $300,000 to do a corporate job, but right. I can't make that much just using my own services. Right. Um, and that is, that's when you know there's damage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you'll take the money if someone else sells it, but you won't take it if you are the one doing it um, yeah. yourself. Right. And then it's like, oh, okay, we have some self-betrayal to heal here. Um, and really looking at how to turn the self-betrayal into self-trust in that oh. this idea that you will never, ever hurt yourself or others in the process of sales. And that's self-trust, right? That you won't be the salesy bro person. You won't be the schemer, right? Because And the thing I, I just never understood all about that anyway is that it damages everyone. And most of all, the person selling, one, because it feels like crap, right? But two, you just did something that's unethical, and now the person who bought it isn't going to be happy. No. And now your reputation's for crap, and you've done that to yourself. And so there's this thing going on, like, ooh, be afraid, don't be salesy. And that, I think, is, again, designed to keep money out of the hands of women, because Mm -hmm. honestly, like, let's be real, we don't do that. I mean, can we just be honest about that? I have never sold something to somebody and been like, ah, sucker. Like, never. No. Like, it's never even occurred to me, right? I get oh my so God, effing never, excited. Not yeah. once. Never going to happen. Yeah. I know people who have, and and in a lot of aspects, they're the ones judging how those of us who would never do that get things done, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's the systems, right? And one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever, ever had a part of was my beloved coach, Coach Jenny, really led this incredible conversation about why um, non-binary, queer, and women, peoples, um, have such an interesting relationship with the word ambition. Oh, interesting. Right? Where like, it's not, it's good to have ambition but it's bad to be ambitious if you're supposed to be in one of those supporter roles, right? Because ambition means reaching beyond you. And what does that mean if you're, if you're supposed to be in this helper role, right? And so I see all of this reflected of like just another layer of what we're talking about of like, okay, you're not supposed to receive. You're not even supposed to ask. You're not supposed to strive. And all you're supposed to do is help until you're dead. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. No wonder every single person that needs your work or my work feels so conflicted about needing your work or my work. Like yes. it's there's so many layers here. Mm-hmm. But rather than ambition, you use this word that I love and I feel like is so underused. So I would love for you to define it. What in your estimation 
Does it mean to be scrappy? <laughs> I love the word scrappy. I do too. I use and it I also think it's because you're five three and I'm five foot. So like maybe we that's are it. We've had to be scrappy our whole lives. But no. like, what does it mean? Like, what is the difference between ambition and scrappiness? Or what is the difference between like where does scrappy stand on the chart of 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 attributes that we should lean into? Oh, I think it's I think it's at the top. I'm not even going to lie. I think because you can accomplish anything if you're scrappy, right? And I I love the word scrappy. I also, I mean, I do love the word grit um, and they're almost yes. interchangeable. Scrappy is just a little bit more playful. Yes. Um, but I think you can't, you wouldn't be scrappy if you weren't ambitious. Like yep. it's kind of not possible, right? Because if you don't have ambition, right. you're going to give up when it gets hard. And someone who's scrappy does the opposite. So, right. you know, scrappy, if I could describe it, maybe ambition is the road, right? Scrappy's the car, right? Like it's yep. like you can't get anywhere if you're That's not That's so scrappy. perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ambition is the road and scrappy is the car. Like <laughs> scrappy is taking one action after another. Yeah. And in that aspect, this is not our pop culture topic today, y'all, but... And that aspect, Scrappy Doo, is pretty perfectly named yes. because they always got to hold him back. He's like yes. running into action. He's like, okay, here we go. We know where we're going. Let's go. And everybody else is still strategizing. Like, okay, Fred, you're going to go to the left and Daphne's going to go to the right and Velma's going to hang out back here. And Scrappy Doo's like, I'm already gone. Goodbye. Yep. I already did right? it. Here's the dude. Here's this mask in my mouth, right? Or whatever. Yeah. And I think, you know, my favorite, my favorite example of Scrappy, and I talk about this often and I feel really bad because her name just flew out of my head, but it was um, someone who was on um, Shark Tank mm-hmm. and she she created this really cool thing called the no-show towel where it had like Velcro on the sides and a little hole for a head, but it was a towel and it was this great changing system almost for kids at water parks. So they oh, could awesome. slide this towel over their head. They could Velcro it down the sides and change out of their wetsuits and put on their pants. They didn't have to go to the bathroom. Uh, right. Amazing, Amazing. Right. I want one of those in adult sizes, please. Like <laughs> for right now on. would be great. Yeah. She's dirt poor. She's a housewife. Right. She knows how to sew. She knows she needs a patent for this because she wants to white label it for water parks and get their their logos on it and do all this stuff. Right. I mean, the Shark Tank people are like drooling. Right. They're like, but wait a minute. How did you fund this? And she goes, well, it didn't. (laughs) She goes, I needed a patent and my neighbor was a patent attorney. So I went over to her house and asked her what I could make for her if she could do my patent. And I made her whole house. I made all of the drapes in her home. And they all, every one of them at that moment was like, you are mine. Yeah. Because that's scrappy. That's scrappy. Right? That's scrappy. That is That like, is, I will climb over any obstacle you put in front of my way. And not, we're not talking unethical. We're not talking no. unethical Elizabeth Holmes. We're not talking <laughs> that kind of scrappy, Okay. No one lying. Th- we're Very not telling you. There no. we go. We're going. Yeah. Okay. We're not telling you to found Theranos. Okay. Like no, slow true. down. Right. Yeah. We're not saying lie or cheat. But what we are saying is scrap. Yeah. Well, look which what is, she did. I get mean, it she, done. She, I mean, do you know how much that woman would have had to pay for curtains? Like to have mm-hmm. it all over her whole house. She saved that woman thousands of dollars. That woman saved her thousands of dollars. Yeah. Everyone got served well. Every person in all of those transactions moved forward. Like mm-hmm. it was like a triple win. Nothing bad, nothing negative, nothing immoral. In fact, it was all above board. In fact, it was even yeah. more neighborly than anything I've heard in a long time, except for my neighbor who just hung up a towel rack and I made him a chicken pot pie. But that's another story <laughs> for another time. But it's 
like, oh my God, there's so many different ways for us to do really great things for each other and in right. our own businesses and to turn to your fellow humans. I think the other thing I love about being scrappy when it's done well is we tap into our shared humanity because Ooh. every one of us has been in that moment where it's like, shh, I do not know how to move forward right now. Everybody's had that moment. And so when you turn to a fellow human who can help you out of that, people get really excited to support you in that. And then when you pay them back in whatever way you can, because you're scrappy, it moves them forward too. They get excited as well. It's never negative when it's done with heart ever, 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 ever. Did y'all hear that shit? Did y'all hear that shit? It's not negative. If it's done with heart. Ever. Ever. Without it. I mean, mm-hmm. God, if you weren't my competitor, I would just be stealing all of this in my copy. Damn it. <laughs> Girl, there's room for enough. You go ahead. You, you know, take it, Annie. I good. know. But you know how everyone's always like, the friends are competitors. And by everyone, I mean me all the time being like, competitors. <laughs> this is the dark side of befriending your competitors. They say stuff on a hot mic that you're producing that you're like, Damn it. No, you use it, Annie. What did I I give you permission. It's on record, woman. (laughs) It's on record. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) But I mean, but you doing nails in high school is scrappy. Yes. You saw a problem, you solved it. You figured out how to have that problem solving benefit you so you could also get what you wanted. And everybody wins by the fruits of your labor. Let's go. Yeah, right. But everybody wins, including you, as opposed to this helper server martyr thing where it's everyone eats except you. Like I always give the example of my Aunt Pauline, who would cook Christmas dinner for three freaking days and eat after everyone had had seconds. And I'm like, woman, you're going to get one meatball that's stuck to the bottom of the pan. Like, stop it. I I love that that Sicilian show love through food, but also I'm worried about your calorie intake today. Like, (laughs) are you seeing stars? Are you? Are you okay? You're also like, do you need to sit down? Could I bring you a plate? Like, stop hitting me with that serving spoon and let me eat, like, give you something. Right? But that's that mentality, right? It is. And especially because, like, she was of that greatest generation time. I think part of the reason why we called them the greatest generation after the Depression and through World War II and beyond is that they got freaking scrappy. They were super scrappy. Super scrappy. Yeah. Like, they're the generation yeah. that popularized duct tape yep. as a solution for all to things. Everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, that's yes. scrappy, right? Like, right. it's the duct tape of business. Like, okay. It's like I don't want to use... Wedding. Vinic- yes. No, what was it? Windex for everything, Windex. right? Yes. Windex, Windex for everything, duct right? Tape, like, we're good. Yeah. There's something scrappy about that. It's not a long-term solution. You can't cobble your business together for long-term scaling or growth or, you know, major six-figure advancement or whatever. You're not going to be able to sustain that on Windex and duct tape. But sometimes you got to reach for what's available and MacGyver that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite phrase. We say that all the time. I'm like, it's time to MacGyver it. Let's go. And it happens, I think, too, what makes business owners really successful, to your point, is knowing when it's time to go high level, right? When it's time to really financially invest and move things forward, right? Whether that's a new hire, a coach, software, systems, whatever it is, there's times to do that, right? Really understanding financially when that is critical. I want to talk about that more in just a sec. But then there's also Mm -hmm. times to get scrappy and you can be 
a $10 million company and get scrappy for a month or two while you're figuring something out or working on a new hire or trying out a new system, you get to do that then too. And understanding when to do that and when not to do that, I think is really important. But back Mm -hmm. to actually knowing when to spend, you know, there's a really big difference. (laughs) I'm going to talk to the ladies who like shoes. I'm sort of one of those ladies, but not really. So I love (laughs) high quality. Okay. Um, But there's a big difference if you need a pair of heels. There's a very different experience that you have as a human being if you go to Payless and get those shoes Mm -hmm. or if you go get some Jimmy Choo's. Yeah. And you walk across the floor in the Jimmy Choo's, right? Those are very different experiences. Mm -hmm. One is not necessarily better, but boy, Mm -hmm. are they different. Yes. Understanding in your business when with the $5,000 gown, you're going to wear $40 shoes. And sometimes mm-hmm. with the $20 jeans, you're going to wear the $3,000 shoe. Like, it's okay, right? It's up it's to okay. us to you can figure mix out and match. Which, yes. And which experiences we want when and yep. which ones are appropriate at different times. And then understanding that you can combine those two. It's yep. okay. And I think sometimes people feel like when they hit a certain level in their business, they can only ever buy the most expensive. Or when yeah. they're down in the bottom, they can never buy the expensive. And I, I think that's a fallacy. I think we want to yeah. really learn. That's part of being scrappy too, is yeah. figuring out when things go together a certain way. It's okay. Um, and what and I, level, I give that right? Permission. Like, yeah. do I need the Jimmy Choo's for this or will my Converse knockoffs from Payless work? The answer is both, like you said. But having that discernment of like, I need to go all in on this, I need to be conservative on this, or I need a closest thing I could get to an easy button on this for as cheap as possible, right? There's going to be so many times when all of those things are true, including your own price points. Yes. Like pricing is such a giant pain in the ass for people that are trying to figure out how do I offer Jimmy Choo value at pay less prices and should I? Right. Right. How do I scale from offering pay less prices toward Jimmy Choo prices? Or how do I find an audience that needs a perfectly reasonable everyday shoe between those two brackets? Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. and and I feel like we got to do that, too. We got to have a ladder of services. You're going to have some things that are going to attract a pay less audience yes. and graduate them up. And there's also going to be some things that you're going to put out that some audiences are going to be like, oh, my God, what on earth are they even thinking charging that? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If they don't need it, they're not going to value it. It's okay. I'm with you, sister. Yeah, I think that's important. And and I don't think people talk about that enough. But in in my book, that's that is all under since you asked me how high on the rung is scrappy. Mm-hmm. It's up there because that's being scrappy too and learning the skills that you need to learn to go from pay less to Jimmy Choo in your pricing, mm-hmm. in your offers, what that looks like. Um, and I'm a big believer. I always tell people this is you need a gateway drug to you. <laughs> like you need your own version. Uh, you need a gateway drug in your business, meaning you have something that people have easy access to that has them go, holy crap. I love this person. Um, yeah. Everything you say is brilliant. <laughs> it's only because I'm in your presence, Annie. This is so torturous for me. <laughs> interview your competitors oh, i take back it. everything i've ever said no i don't this is this <laughs> is way too it. much fun i'm just having way too much fun um uh, okay yeah. so 
on that idea of scrappiness and doing what it takes to stay alive, what a perfect freaking transition. I know where you're into going. Into today's actual pop culture topic, <laughs> which is not any of the stuff we've previously mentioned, but is in or fact is the ultimate gauntlet known as The Walking Dead. Yeah, what baby. the hell Bring it. does any of this have to do with <sighs> Atlanta and the Graders being taken over for years on end, just oh. years upon years of of zombie invasions of Atlanta. It's so gross too, right? Oh my God, mm-hmm. that show. Anyway, well, here's the deal. So, <laughs> all right, people, just hang on to your hats and glasses, okay? This is about to get frisky. No, but in the, here's what I say, okay, is what I love about the show, and I'll tell you about personally why I love the show, but um, what I love about the show as a woman who had a hell of a year in 2022, we can or cannot dive into that. I'm cool either way. But it was Up a year here. where people were like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm like, oh, no, I'm not done. And then this happened. And then this. And they were like, how are you alive? I'm like, I'm not sure. So mm-hmm. I fell in love watching The Walking Dead because it was really nice for me to watch other people run from life-threatening thing to life-threatening thing. I loved that. Yep. But one of the things I love about the show is the initial threat, right? So the zombies, day one, Rick wakes up in the hospital and is like, WTF? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy, what the they don't know how to deal with the zombies. They're terrified. We got rattling doorknobs, which is the scariest thing in the world, right? <laughs> By season two, they're like shoving them out of the way and knocking them out. They're like, I'm so bored with this, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's a new threat. And then they're bored with that threat. And then they conquer that one. And then there's another one, right? Yep. And what I love about the trajectory of the show is I think it's very entrepreneurial. I think <laughs> being like part of the Rick crew, right? Is like yeah. what it's like to be an entrepreneur. You lose yep. people, right? At the dumbest points, you're like, that person just got killed for what now? Why? Right. right? No one's safe. No they one's unsubscribed safe. after that email? Uh, right? What? That's my favorite. When you send the email that is so loving, filled with so much value, people unsubscribe. You're like, please do not let the doorknob hit you in the ass on the way out. If that's right, what had but you that's leave. the same thing. It's like the betrayals come at weird times. The death comes at really inopportune moments. You're like right now, really? Yes. Really? But what I love about it is the skill building that happens over the 11 seasons where what Boom. was a, what was a problem is not. And then there's a new problem and that's not a problem. And every time the problem hits, you're like, oh shit, this is the one. And it's not. And I think it's such a great life lesson. I really, I could do with less gore personally, but that's another story for another time. But the life lesson there, I think is so important. And I think Mm -hmm. the viewer goes on that journey with the people in the show where pretty soon, you know, they're like walking away from the zombies. Like, oh God, because you're so annoying. And that's what starts to happen to the thing that used to keep you up at night as an entrepreneur and scare the crap out of you. You're like, whatever, dude, I handle that on Tuesday before noon. What's next? The rattling doorknob comes from being the scariest thing you could imagine to an irritation. You're like, oh, enough. Yeah. And that, I think that's, I think that's a gorgeous, gorgeous metaphor for entrepreneurs. Oh, completely. My former boss used to say new level, new devil. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's like you become inured to the challenges of the level that you're at because you conquer those. Right. So, yeah. Like, okay. So season one, what are we going to do about these zombies? Season two, we figured out the zombies, but how do we like live? Season three, (laughs) wait, there's warring factions out there. Mm -hmm. Season four, wait, 
our power grid got screwed up again. Like it's just every time, like new reason, new problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we can look at that from a problem solving way, or we can look at that as like a pack it up. Guess we're done. Mm -hmm. Guess we should just go feed ourselves to the zombies that we've been easily deflecting for 12 seasons now. Like, okay, (laughs) sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that I mean, I do love The Walking Dead. And, you know, for entrepreneurs, I mean, one of the things I love, Annie, I love that you do this pop culture thing that you do, because I think this is really important. And I don't know, especially in today's hustle culture, that people understand the way our brains function enough. Um, in my personal story with, with The Walking Dead, I mean, I, I was pretty serious. I had a hell of a year. Right. But I still, it was like, and we tripled our business. Like it was insane. Right. I just, it's, mm-hmm. I'll write a book one day about it, whatever. But you're going to write a book is, called Scrap It. Scrap It. I, A-Y at the end. Scrap It. Scrap anyway, It. But uh, I needed a break. Right. I did not yeah. want to hit burnout. I was really scared. I, I mean, I was teetering. It was not easy. And um, I was like, you know, Sarah Walton, you need to sit down on the couch and do nothing, which is very difficult for me to do. Yeah. Um, cause I'm, I'm a hustler. I do the things I love it. And it never felt like hustling, but I needed a break. And right. with my left brain constantly attacking problem after problem, literally, I mean, it was issue after issue, health thing, family thing, money thing, divorce thing. Like it just kept coming. And I was like, hold on, I need a break. And I think what we need to understand is when we are so left brained all the time is we need to exercise the right brain hence pop culture and sliding into the artistic side of our brain and mm-hmm. letting something else take over and giving the left brain a breath. And I wish we talked about this more. Like when kids are like, why do I have to learn calculus? Why do I have to learn geometry? I'm like, dudes, no, no, no. Your right brain is going to the gym right now. This yeah. is so important. It's not about whether or not you're going to use it later. It's right. about using all the sides of your brain. And when we don't allow those moments of rest and we don't take advantage of art and pop culture and as gross as Walking Dead can be in some scenes, I I fast forwarded <laughs> 40% of it. I won't lie. Right. Like it's still art. Somebody sat down and created that. It did not exist until somebody created it. And we need to appreciate each other's artwork there and let our right brains have a party while our left brains can have a little bit of a break. And the show saved my life. I mean, I actually have a podcast episode, How the Walking Dead Saved My Business. It's because it it gave me that out to let my left brain relax. And I think as entrepreneurs, we must remember that that is critical. Um, Your new book title is the subtitle of Scrappy is fast forwarding through the gore of entrepreneurship. <laughs> there you go. It. Yeah, Scrappy. I was like, I don't need fast to see forwarding one through more the head. gore of entrepreneurship. I don't need to see one more. Head. I don't. I don't need one more negative comment on social media, and I don't need to see one more head bastion with a rock. I'm good. I got it. Oh, thank I got you. It. Yeah. <laughs> fast forwarding through the gore of entrepreneurship, coming to you. Good job. 2024. Get it done. Oh my gosh. I love that so, so much. (sighs) I don't ever want to let you go, but you know, you're a busy, busy, brilliant genius and I I should probably do so. But let me ask you two more questions. Hit me. Those who love me the most know that my zombie apocalypse plan is die as quickly as possible. Okay. Good, good. Uh, Which now listeners should not... um, question as they also understand that I made my grandparents buy all my Girl Scout cookies. Same mentality. Like, I'm not cut out for this, so why try? <laughs> right? Like... One of my best friends says the same thing. She's like, I'm everybody out as knows, fast as possible. Yeah. Everybody knows, like, as fast as possible. Just like, I'll I'll take one giant 
brave notion. Like, I'll find a boat and I'll go out in the middle of Lake Michigan and then just eventually starve to death or someone will shoot me. Like, I'm done. You're good with I'm good. I got I'm it. I'm done. Yeah. But like, if I were actually to live in a zombie apocalypse, the role I would want is apocalyptic radio DJ. Oh, sweet. Right. Okay. Which was also, if y'all have not seen the new version of Kids in the Hall, there is a sketch that I will not spoil where Dave Foley is just that. And it is freaking gorgeous. Go check that out. But that's like my, were I to somehow get scrappy and survive long enough to be useful enough to be assigned a job, I would choose apocalyptic radio DJ. But what about you? Mm. What is your role in the post-apocalyptic hive? Yeah, I, oh, God, is this going to sound self-serving? I But I'm the Rick. Like, okay, I, that's I mean, not self-serving. We need one. Having, when he's not having a psychotic episode. <laughs> right? Like Rick, when he's like, no, we need each other. That Rick. I, I just, I, I that's always been my, th- I mean, that's why I did people's nails. It's my right. thing to be like, no, 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 no. We need the people who hunt. We need the people who sow. We need the people who are yep. going to fix the power grid. We need the people who are going to get water. We need, like... And I think I'm pretty good at figuring out how to get those people to work together well. So I'm See? not even, I'm a wreck on a good day. See, and meanwhile, I'm just trying to get someone to put me out to pasture. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you should befriend your competitors after all. <laughs> you see, I'd be like, no, no, we need Annie because we need the music. Go get meanwhile, it. Meanwhile, I'm like, yes. just roll me out. <laughs> just Viking funeral me. I'm ready. It's okay. Let's go. I'll be like, we're like Annie, <laughs> we need the music, baby. Come back and we'll have a whole conversation about it with dramatic music and sunsets. So it'll be great. I can't wait. But in the meantime, before the zombies come, if our listeners desperately need you as much as I think that they do, what's the best way for them to start a conversation with you? Well, I do love me. Honestly, I love me an Instagram DM. I do. I love it. I'm not the fastest. Like, I'll be honest, I'm really packed with time. So I'll go on there and I love it. So if you don't hear from me, usually within 24 hours, you'll hear from me. But I love doing that. And if you feel like you just need some Sarah-ish like you just like, can I just hang out with you for a little bit? People love to binge watch um, YouTube, right? I have a YouTube channel. And um, what I do, there's a show there called Sarah Uncut, where God help us all, I just turn on my phone and start talking. And it's usually <laughs> based on what people need. Like someone will write in like, hey, um, I think sales is gross. Can you help me out? Like literally, that will be a question. I'll be like, all right, people, we're going to talk about how sales are not gross today or whatever it is that day. Um, and I really, really love video. It's such a great medium for me. I feel really natural on it. People feel like they really get to know me there. So if you feel like you want to just kind of dive in a little bit more, come grab me. Um, and something that's not competitive with Annie, thank you very much, (laughs) is my Abundance Academy. And people are loving the Abundance Academy. It's a year-long program. So if you want to talk to me about that, you can shoot me a note in in a DM and Instagram and we can talk about it. Do it, y'all. Do it. Mm -hmm. Sarah, I could not possibly love you any harder if I tried to, but damn it if I'm not going to try anyway. Thank you for such a jam-packed, wonderful, glorious, joyful, no-nonsense, necessary episode. I'm so grateful. Back at you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been so much fun, and I think people need to hang on because I have a feeling this might not be the last time they hear you and me chatting. Just saying. What? Just saying. 
Dun, dun, dun. Y'all hang on that cliffhanger for just a second, <laughs> and I'll be back with my final thought and your homework for this week. Well, hey there. What a treat this episode was for me. I feel like I finally got to incorporate my air quotes day job into my air quotes night job, this podcast, or maybe this podcast is a hobby. No, but I digress. It is so absolutely gratifying to get to talk about my body of work on this show and to do it with someone as wonderful and wise and brilliant and charming as Sarah Walton. So with her in mind, I want you to think about all of the times that you have been sold to wonderfully. We all walk around with this catalog, this laundry list of all the times we've been sold to terribly. The used car salesman examples, the arm twisting, the lying, the manipulation. But we don't keep a similar list of the times we were sold to beautifully, boldly, ethically, and enthusiastically. And most of the time, that's because we don't even call those things sales. We call them customer service. The teacher that gets your kid to understand and actually enjoy mathematics. Yep, that's sales. Getting your kids to eat broccoli at night. Mm-hmm. Still sales. The doctor that gets you to try that new drug that kind of scares you. The yoga teacher who encourages you to go into that backbend because you're ready for it. All of that is selling. We just don't call it that. We call it customer service. But every single one of those initiatives began with consent, with the willingness of two people to come together and get something done. Sales is the art of receiving money in exchange for your goods and services. That's it. It's an energetic exchange between two people, and it can be beautiful. We just have to retrain our brains. So this week, look all around you. Watch every single transaction you have. I'm sure you will find just as many lovely examples as bad ones. So please commit those to memory. And not for nothing, if you're still stuck in sales avoidance, head on over to sellcoachsell.com and get your free copy of my best-selling business fable, The Coach Who Would Not Sell. All you have to do is use the code, hi, Annie. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn, and we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. Big shout out, as always, to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My theme composer, Riley Horbasio, And my show art creator, Francois Vigneault. See you next time. <laughs>